Welcome back to the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders in the fight to end energy poverty. I'm William Brent. In this episode, we are joined by Sheila Oparaocha, International Coordinator and Program Manager of the Energia International Network on Gender and Sustainable Energy. Established 24 years ago with the objective of promoting policies and actions to recognize, validate, and support women's roles in sustainable energy development, Sheila and her team have played a major role in advancing global and national agendas for a more gender-inclusive energy sector. We should also say in full disclosure that Sheila is a friend and, and a board member of Power for All. And I think most importantly, she is by far and away the most colorful dresser in the energy access sector. So Sheila, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Thank you very much. I think Power for All's work is, is great and excellent. And I think you're making a great contribution to what we're doing in the energy and development uh, sector. And uh, so it's an honor to have been asked to uh, do this podcast. Thanks, Sheila. So, yeah, you've been, I mean, you've been at this for quite a long time. I believe you've been with Energia for 17 years, maybe now, um, really since the beginning. And you've been working on these issues for a long, long time. Uh, it's become, you know, a, a hot topic within the energy sector overall. Uh, people refer to the terms gender mainstreaming uh, quite regularly. Uh, within our sector. They also talk about the energy, energy transition uh, and a just transition. Um, that's a lot of jargon that, you know, people outside of the development world and outside of the energy access world might not readily understand. So to start out, I was hoping you could explain what this means in plain English. You know, what is gender mainstreaming and why is it such a, a hot topic right now uh, as it relates to energy and energy access? Uh, thank you very much for that, Willem. Uh, indeed, I think in the gender sector, we tend to use a lot of jargons, but I guess also in the energy sector, you 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 have your own. But yeah, gender mainstreaming, uh, William, is nothing more or less than a strategy that is used by those of us uh, working on uh, in the gender sector. It was proposed at the Beijing Platform for Action in 1995 as a strategy to ensure that the needs and the rights of women and men are equally considered and reflected in policy and in practice. Realistically, how this is done, we look at existing energy programs, we look at energy policies, we look at energy investments. And from the start, from the design phase to the implementation, to the monitoring, we try to see what are the entry points for ensuring that the needs and the interests of both men and women are taken into consideration. So if you have your problem statement or your value proposition, are you, are you really reflecting on the needs of interest of men and women? When you have participation in the, the interventions, are you promoting the participation and engagement of men and women in equally in the intervention? Are you trying to remove the barriers that uh, either men or women face to actually engage in the intervention? Do you have specific activities that are really going to empower uh, men and women, both economically, socially, but also environmentally as well? When you are monitoring and accounting for your investments, uh, are you collecting information in a way that you're really reflecting the impact that the intervention has had 
on both men and women. So it's really gender mainstreaming. All we're saying is gender mainstreaming is a strategy where you consciously and intentionally look at interventions, whether they're in policy or practice, and see what their implications are for uh, the needs and the rights of both men and women. Yeah, that's a great. And I think you know, one of the things that, that I think comes through in, in your answer, uh, Sheila, is that you know, accountability becomes really important. I think that, you know, oftentimes, whatever the intervention is, whether it's policy or otherwise, you know, you can have a policy on the books, but is it being implemented? And are the people responsible for those policies being held accountable uh, based on, you know, based on very hard metrics? And I think that's something that I'd like to come back to in a second. But I think before that, we all know that the energy sector is traditionally very male dominated. And so the, most of the people working in the energy sector have tended to be men. And then also, we, I think it's fairly common knowledge that, you know, women bear a unequal burden for how energy systems have been designed uh, in the past, whether it's for, you know, having to go collect cooking fuel or whatever it may be, they oftentimes suffer the most. And so even despite that, though, you know, e energy policies at the country level, therefore, because of that male domination, has not been something that traditionally has been, uh, you know, used to address the role of women, whether the women in the energy sector itself or as um, beneficiaries of, of, of how that energy system is designed. So that's really what, I, what I'm trying to understand from you, having been involved in this space for so long. I mean, you must have seen over the years countries try to uh, you know, adapt more gender mainstreaming concepts into their policy. But it really hasn't been, to my knowledge anyway, something that's been included uh, for the most part. And so when we talk about interventions, why is it so important to have the policy piece of this right? So um, that's an excellent question, William. And why is it important to have it to have the policy piece right? Well, let's first look at what an energy policy is. So an energy policy really provides the framework for a national government, but also all other stakeholders to set priorities within the energy sector, to explain what the mandates are for different stakeholder groups. And also to describe what, how that mandate is going to be operationalized uh, into programs, into investments. And very much uh, the policy sets the framework for, for budgets, for resources, how resources are mobilized and how resources are used. So if this is what an energy policy does, you juxtapose this with uh, governments having the responsibility to advance what we call gender equality. In fact, gender mainstreaming is a means to achieve gender equality. So then you want to have in the energy sector your policies really being able to ensure that the priorities of both men and women are included, that there's a clear mandate that links up to, to advance gender equality in your energy policy, and that you really describe from your mandate to what, what strategies you're going to use to implement gender activities and to invest in gender interventions, but also how you're going to mobilize your resources. If you have a policy that doesn't include uh, gender, then it's not going to deliver on government's responsibilities to advance the rights and the needs of, of girls and women. So William, you then start having, what we have found is because of the lack of gender in policies, you start having what you have 
quite rightly explained at the beginning of your intervention, that we find that when you look at energy poverty, that it disproportionately impacts women. It disproportionately impacts women because they're the majority of the poor. So when we're talking about those 2.7 that lack access to cooking energy or 1 billion people that don't have electricity, well, most of those people are women. And that has a real impact on uh, the way they're able to live and to support their families and support their communities. One of the uh, major consequences of not having that is what's called indoor air pollution, or now they're calling it household air pollutions, where we find at least uh, WHO has reported 4 uh, billion deaths annually, mainly of uh, girls and women because of the lack of access to energy, or that women are spending five to eight hours a day either collecting water or trying to, in their agriculture activities, doing agriculture processing uh, because of the lack of energy. That um, we haven't been able to get rid of maternal uh, uh, deaths uh, because of the lack of electricity to to health facilities so that women can properly uh, uh, deliver uh, children in safe uh, environments and hospitals. So having energy policies that don't address uh, these challenges and these needs of women means that we continue to have energy poverty really having a big uh, disproportionate impact on women and girls. So that's why it's really important to do that. Now, how to do it? It's one thing to explain all this is another thing for to move forward and support governments to actually develop gen, what we call gender responsive policies. And in that, uh, awareness raising is very important, but also capacity building and really some hand-holding uh, technical support where you really tailor, uh, understand what the country context and really shape the policy to the to a country context so it is responsive to the needs of, uh, of women and men. And this is work that Energia has been doing in the energy sector for, for quite some time. And I would say that there has been improvements that have been made since we first started. We do see, particularly in Africa, where we do have policies that are gender sensitive. What we find is that although gender might have been mentioned in the policy statements and the ambitions, there's what we call evaporation. When you come down to what strategies and what budget is there, you find there's very little gender being taken into consideration. And so I think we still need to strengthen that. Uh, just interestingly, uh, William, this year there's going to be the Commission for the Status of Women, which is every year that at the uh, at the UN level uh, member states meet uh, to really reflect on how they're delivering on their gender commitments. And uh, this is 25 years after Beijing. So it's interesting to have this podcast at this time and see 25 years after Beijing, where are we? And I think the energy sector compared to other sectors, if we look at the agriculture sector, if we look at what's happening in water, if we look at what's happening in, in health, we still find that we have we have a long way to go. Um, so work has started. There have been some gains, but we're still not there Certainly not there if we are going to deliver on the 2030 uh, Sustainable Development Agenda. Yeah, and this is why I was so excited to see, you know, what happened recently in Kenya. So, you know, you are, you and Energia have been at the front lines of this issue for a long time. And recently, from what I understand, you know, you worked with the government of Kenya to actually publish and promote new policy guidelines on uh, gender responsive policy. And so... 
I'd be interested to understand that a little bit more and how that can be rolled out to other countries. How can we get other countries to embrace that? Is Kenya the best example of a country that's really embraced this concept in practice in terms of uh, implementing policy? Are there other countries that are far and away leaders in this space? Who's the best out there and, and what's the work in Kenya and why is it going to be important for showing other countries how they can follow? Well, Kenya is indeed one of, I would say, not just a good practice, but I would say a best practice out there uh, for the African continent, but for the wider uh, international, at the international level. The reason being that this is quite unique. This is the only policy that has been specifically developed on gender equality, but specifically focused on the energy sector. So what happened with the Kenyan government is that the Kenyan government has what they call their Vision 2030. And within that, they were looking at, uh, you know, if we are going to reach our Vision 2030, when we're really looking to take Kenya to the next level of economic, social, and environmental development to really be a trailblazer within the continent and ensure that we're meeting the needs and aspirations of all citizens of Kenya, what are the major gaps? And one of the gaps they found was really in the energy sector, that they found that uh, there was an equal access uh, to energy services and resources by women. So they thought, let's have a very targeted and focused approach where we are going to set ourselves a policy that describes what our priorities, what our mandates are, and what our strategy is to really address what they felt was a gap in meeting their 2030 objective. So what's interesting in the policy is that it's quite uh, comprehensive. It looks at different stakeholder groups. So that's at government level, but it also looks at uh, private sector. It looks at civil society actors. And it also looks at, it's from national level to also the uh, sub-national level. So it, it cuts across different sectors. It also looked, it also tried to be cross-sectorial. So really looking how can gender response in the energy sector be targeted at different sectors, but also at different levels of, uh, of government administration. So here, what, what I also found was very interesting is that, uh, one, it very clearly stated what its mandate is and how it's going to comply with Kenya's own gender commitments. So that was one. Secondly, it then had quite a big focus in saying, okay, uh, let's admit that people are just not aware of what we mean by having a gender responsive approach and what do we need to do that. It then also looked really at institutionalizing a gender approach in the energy sector. So what are different institutions, whether it's the utility, whether it's the rural electrification uh, agency, whether it is private sector actors, institutionally, how can you deal with gender? It then also had a specific targeted cooking energy, saying this we see is really a major gap and a need for addressing women's needs. So what do we need to do in that? And it also looked at decentralized energy, seeing that these are two areas where they felt if we're going to, these are low-hanging fruits, if we really want to promote gender equality, uh, then looking at decentralized energy, moving forward on decentralized energy on the, the clean cooking agendas was going to be important. And then very much so accountability. 
so what targets were going to be set? How were these going to be reported on and reported on in a way that it's the at the level of the minister and even going further at cabinet level and linking also with the Ministry of Gender, who would need to review but also be able to hold accountable to the uh, to gender results and to the commitment to gender equality in the in the energy sector. So I think it's really quite it's unique. I think it's a very ambitious, very courageous and uh, commendable initiative that has been undertaking. I think it's a good example for the African continent, but I think it's a good example for other countries as well. Yeah, that's great. So it's essentially, I mean, it's a, it's really a blueprint that other countries can adopt and, and implement themselves, uh, given that it, it is so comprehensive. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that um, one one last thing, you know, is how how can Energia, how can Power for All, how can others in this sector help make sure that uh, we do hold governments accountable? Is there some sort of you know tracking mechanism that you've developed that 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 monitors government policies as it relates to gender equality in the energy sector? Do we need to develop something that monitors that over an annual basis, you know, almost a scorecard that would be able to grade good different governments on, on their policy, not just on the implementation of the policy, but the, the actual enforcement of it? Um, is that something that, that you've given thought to or is already there that we should uh, all be paying attention to? Yes, yeah, so I think that's going to, like, for instance, in, in the case of Kenya, I think now that we have the, the policy, indeed, how do we move forward? And there, I think, is where legislation and also what you said, uh, monitoring and evaluation frameworks come into play. And here, I think, one, we already have a framework under the SDGs. And the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, already have indicators. SDG 5, which is on ensuring gender equality and empowering women and girls, or already has quite a number of indicators and those indicators cut across different sectors. So how do we ensure that the energy sector is meeting the indicators and targets that are sent in the SDGs? I think the other one is uh, right now we're also working with the uh, Central Bureau for Statistics, which actually collects data on the ground and to ensure that the information and the data that we're collecting is actually what we call sex disaggregated so that this data is going to show are you collecting the data that reflects information and data specifically for women and how you are reflecting that for men and i think that's a very important accountability tool that that we can use uh, you talked about uh, cso's or other partners like power for all and energia and i think one way that we can ensure that we are also accountable ourselves not holding just others ac uh, accountable but accountable ourselves is in our own interventions and our own uh, monitoring and evaluation frameworks do these uh, have uh, gender responsive indicators are we collecting uh, sex disaggregated data? Are the processes that we're putting in place to collect this data taking into consideration how you would reach out either through communication channels or just uh, where we find spaces where we find women and spaces where we find men? So I think we also have our own responsibility to integrate gender into our own uh, monitoring and evaluation frameworks. That's great, Sheila. Thank you so much for taking time to, to join us today. Uh, you know that Power for All will be there to support the work that you and Energy are doing on this topic, and we look forward to 
working more closely with you in the future. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I uh, just encourage you to continue doing the the good work that you uh, that you are doing because it's really making a difference uh, in the sector. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Power for All podcast. You can listen to previous episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and other podcast platforms. Find them all and more resources on our website, www.powerforall.org. Thanks. Thank you.